Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. Let's get on with the show, George. We can't be hanging around here all day. It's time for Disney History! The Country Bear Jamboree has a long and storied Disney theme park history. It was an attraction that was originally intended for Disney's Mineral King Ski Resort in the Sierra Nevada Mountains of California, which Walt was trying to get off the ground during the mid-1960s. Walt wanted to keep guests on the resort grounds entertained, so he came up with the idea of having a show featuring a musical group made up of bears. He assigned Mark Davis and Al Bertino to work on the concept and expand on it a little bit more. The show was to take place in the resort's Bear Band Restaurant and went through many concepts, such as a marching band full of bears, Dixieland bears, and even a mariachi band full of bears. Eventually, it was decided that the bears should have a country vibe to them. Unfortunately, the Mineral King Resort never came to pass, but it was decided that the bear show would be developed for Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom grand opening instead. Exitensio, famous for many of the Disney songs you hear in attractions today, and musical director George Bruns came up with the songs for the bears to sing. The show was hosted by Henry, whose friend Sammy sits on top of his head in the form of a raccoon hat. Other characters include Wendell, Liverlips McGrell, Teddy Barra, the Five Bear Rugs Band, the Sunbonnet Trio, and fan favorite Big Al, modeled after Al Pertino. There are also three animal heads mounted on the wall. Melvin, a moose, Buff, a bison, and Max, a buck. All three interact with the audience throughout the show. When the Country Bear Jamboree opened with the Magic Kingdom in 1971, it had an overwhelmingly positive response. Imagineers immediately planned to make a replica of the show for Disneyland. This inspired them to create a brand new land as well, appropriately titled Bear Country. Because it was so popular in Florida, the Disneyland version opened on March 4, 1972 with two identical theaters, so the hourly capacity would double for the show. Audiences flocked to see it, and both theaters, each playing the same version of the show, were packed every 20 minutes. In order to keep the show fresh, the Country Bear Vacation Hoedown, a vacation version of the show, debuted at both Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom in 1986. They also developed a Country Bear Christmas special, and all three shows played in rotation throughout the years. Still, audience attendance declined throughout the years, causing the Disneyland version to close in 2001 to make way for The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Despite the declining popularity, a movie loosely based on the attraction was released in 2002. The show still plays in its original form today at the Magic Kingdom, while the Disneyland version was moved to Tokyo Disneyland. It is there that you can still see all three versions of the show throughout the year. Hey, what version of the show has Rick Astley in it? They're never gonna bear you up. <laughs> <laughs> He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. Disneyland Sunrise to Sunset is the latest ebook by Tom Bricker. You might recognize him from his amazing photographs and trip reports that he posts over at the Disney Tourist blog. Tom was able to spend 24 hours at Disneyland during the One More Disney Day celebration on Leap Day 2012. 
Tom has put together a PDF-based ebook with 75 pages and over 200 photographs. As can be expected, the photographs are stunning. Now, if we could see most of Tom's photos online, why should we buy the book? Well, the idea behind the book was to chronicle Tom's experience of spending 24 hours at Disneyland. At least 150 or so, he told me, of the photographs are new and have not been seen before. And it's more than just photos. Tom has added captions and some hidden details, uh, you know, as we call them, the five-legged goats. The person that is going to want to buy this book will be a fan of Tom's work, a Disneyland fan, or anyone who wants to own some gorgeous artwork. Each page offers one or more fantastic uh, non-fuzzy photos. Hey, nice crossover. I gotta promote the show, uh, even on the show. Uh, I know Tom struggled with wanting to group the photos by area, but ultimately he grouped them by how awesome they look together. This is a great first effort, and I can't wait to see the other books that Tom has up his, uh, his camera bag. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week. Walter E. Disney, Graduate School of Design and Master Planning. Walt actually has two windows at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. This window, however, is located at the very end of Main Street, right over the Plaza Restaurant and Ice Cream Parlor. The window faces Cinderella Castle and the park's main hub, and in a way, represents Walt continuing to look over the park. The window not only honors the man himself, but also the Imagineers who were instrumental in bringing Walt Disney World to life. Richard Irvine, John Hench, Edward Brummett, Marvin Davis, Fred Hope, Vic Green, Bill Martin, and Chuck Myall all worked for WED Enterprises and helped design the architectural and show elements that went into the Magic Kingdom. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's a debate. Who's gonna win it? You know, George, a lot of people argue with me that the Animal Kingdom is a half-day park, but I am inclined to disagree with them. I think Disney's Animal Kingdom is a full-day park, and there are quite a few reasons why. Okay? Oh, what? I'd love to hear the reasons, because I'm sure they're going to be so well thought out. They're going to be very well thought out, thank you very much. Oh, that's better than mine, then. Oh. Good, good. First of all, it's really not your typical Disney park, okay? It, you know, people compare it to a Disney zoo, but it's not a Disney zoo. There's so much more to it, okay? There's little nooks and crannies and a whole bunch of stuff that you can take the time out to explore and find for yourself that they really don't have at the other Disney parks. And I think a lot of people are used to the rushing around from ride to ride and attraction to attraction at the rest of the parks that they really don't know how to deal with the Animal Kingdom. And they don't take the time to slow down and kind of relax and take everything in and really check out the really cool theming they have going on and just enjoy themselves. That, that, I think that's the main thing. People don't know how to enjoy themselves at the Animal Kingdom because they want to rush to the next ride when there really isn't a lot of rides there. And it's also the park at, at night that looks the best, I think. When it is open at night, I think it looks incredible. And I know they usually close early because the animals have to go to sleep and they're not outside, but... If you have a chance to check it out at night, you should you should definitely do that. But I know you disagree with everything I just said, so... Yes, um, obviously we're at an impasse, because you cannot compete with my brains, and uh, I really don't know what else you bring to the table. But, you know, you know, Jeff, if you count the long walk to the parking lot, to, from the parking lot to the Animal Kingdom, 
and you count the long walk to get anywhere at the Animal Kingdom, it is a full day park, but you're spending all day walking. I just, I've never felt it was a full day park because the lack of attractions, as well as the lack of stuff for families to do, surprisingly. I mean, there's a lot of attractions there. There's a lot of things to do, but it's just, the best thing about Animal Kingdom is the theming that they've done, which is fantastic, but theming does not make a theme park. I guess it sort of does with the name. Well, yeah, but I mean, the names go together. But Names go together. But, you know, they've got a handful of attractions and a lot of walking and a lot of heat. And I think probably for a lot of people, after they've spent a few hours in the morning and they've ridden a couple of things, they just get blasted by that heat and they're worn out and they're ready to leave anyway. Uh, once you've done the safari, uh, Expedition Everest, um... Is there anything else there you can do? Oh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. And you were just mentioning the attractions and the rides I have there. They have awesome animal trails that you can walk, like the Maharaja Jungle Trek. Oh, which, that is a gorgeous trek. It's it fantastic. It's it is it beautifully is beautiful. themed, and it's wonderful. And a lot of people overlook it, and they just completely skip it, and they go, eh, I can go to the zoo and see something like that. But it's not the same at a zoo. This is a different experience, and people are missing out. It is. Now, you know, I will probably have to concede your points to this one, even though I don't want to. Because if you take the time to explore the park, you are going to find yourself there for a whole day. Now, you might not be doing anything. You might just be walking. But you can spend the whole time there. So, gee, do we have to chalk this one up to another oh, agree we, to we disagree? Both, we both kind of agree, though. Yeah, just for different sort of, reasons. Just for different reasons. But my reasons are right and your reasons are wrong. But I will still say that the Magic Kingdom is much more awesomer than the Animal Kingdom. Not a real word, I win, end the discussion. <laughs> sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. <laughs> Hidden Mickeys are a huge thing at Walt Disney World. Yep, sure, people are obsessed in a good way with finding these three circles all over Walt Disney World. And you know, one of the biggest hidden Mickeys ever was located at the Disney Hollywood Studios when it was still called the Disney MGM Studios. Now, when the Imagineers were designing the park, they decided to turn the whole park into a gigantic hidden Mickey. Of course, you could only see it from an airplane or a helicopter. And with the addition of Sunset Boulevard and the Sorcerer's Hat, we lost a majority of the Mickey. However, you can still see it today when you tour One Man's Dream. Coming up in a few weeks is the ninth annual Mice Chat Gumball Rally. The Gumball Rally is a race to see which team can ride the most attractions at the Disneyland Resort in a single day. Though it may sound easy, it's definitely not just a walk in the park. To top it off, teams must also answer a series of trivia questions to prove that they rode the attractions. The Gumball Rally will take place on Saturday, May 19th, 2012 at Disneyland and it costs $29.99 per person. Tickets are almost sold out, so get yours today. For more information, go to www.micechat.com rally. Let's get ready to gumbo! Thanks so much for watching. Be sure to leave us a comment. And email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Weekly. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Imagineerding and at Jeff Heimbuck. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're from Mice Chat. 
Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next week on Communicore Weekly. It'll never happen.